of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name's Jamie Loftus. And my name's Caitlin Durante. And this is our podcast in which we discuss the uh, role of women in famous movies you've seen before. Today it's a special one. So this is a special one. I mean, you're hearing us on a Tuesday. You don't usually hear us on a Tuesday. Yeah. And uh, the re- it's it's okay. First of all, actually, I'd like to do a PSA right at the tippity. Okay, the tippity uh, top. If you're listening to this on election day and you're like, oh, I'm just kicking back listening to the Bechdel cast, and you have not yet voted, turn us the fuck off or listen to us on the way. Uh huh. Sorry, I, I I couched it a little. Yeah. Get <laughs> get on now. your bird scooter. Get in your car. Get on your public Kayla transit. Knows the youth. Get on your freaking bird. Get on kids. your feet. You know, whatever mode of transit you want. Just get out there and vote. Hope you did your research. Yeah. Well, okay. Cool. So <laughs> so that that aside, welcome to the Bechdel cast. If you're not listening to this on election day, sorry for coming in so hot. <laughs> but the message rings true. You should always vote every every the day. The next opportunity you have. Yeah, or that. Do it again. Mm-hmm. Hey, quick plug at the top of the show. 
we're going to be doing a live Bechtelcast show here in Los Angeles. So oh. hopefully you live here. But if not, just travel. No, get with the program. No big deal. What just, you just doing? you know, buy nice a flight and, and come on down. Uh, but we're doing a show on Saturday, November 10th at 9 p.m. at The Ruby. This time we'll be covering The Fifth Element. Ooh, one of my faves. Uh, with our guest and f- dear friend, Danielle Radford. Hell yeah. For tickets, go to our website, bechtelcast.com. Click on the live appearances tab, mm-hmm. and we will see you there. It's a small venue, so grab your tickets ASAP. Wow, yes, queen, go off. Whee! Okay, so this is our podcast about the portrayal of women in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we use the Bechdel test as our jumping off point for discussion. Uh, of course, a test invented by cartoonist Alison Bechdel that for our purposes requires that a piece of media has a scene in which two female identifying characters with names talk about something other than a man for two or more lines of dialogue. Shall we demo it? Yeah, let's demo it. Hey, hey, Jamie. Hey, Caitlin. Did you vote today? Yes, bitch, of course I did. Well, me too. Wow, we're great. And we we only voted for women, and that passes the Bechdel test. Oh, oh, okay. I was like, well, but what if some... But but also, this still goes. Some female candidates might have some horrible ideas, so it's good to do your research in advance as well. Darn tootin'. What a productive Bechdel (laughs) test passing conversation. So that's where, uh, but but we obviously uh, expand the conversation to cover many different topics related to how women are portrayed in the movie. Today Mm -hmm. we've got a great movie and a great guest. Yes, indeed. Let's introduce her. Let's do it. She is a producer, writer, actor, and host of the Kinda Dating podcast, yes. Natasha Shandell. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks for being here. so funny. Oh, I was just listening to you in the office. Oh, I hope I said something half decent. It was an uplifting one. Okay, good. It was an uplifting one. Yeah. Great. Then I take full credit for it. So we're talking about election Mm -hmm. the movie from 99 director alexander payne Mm -hmm. adapted from a novel by tom perota i used to have a doctor named dr payne oh and i had and then i had a dentist named dr vagenis which is hilarious which is horrible why did my dentist why was my dentist last name vagina we don't know (laughs) if dr vagenis gives me a root canal does that pass the final test (laughs) These are the real questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Natasha, tell us about your your history, your relationship with this movie. I watched it around when it first came out. I mm. really have a horrible memory, so I won't be the person who ever remembers me watching something in a movie theater. But mm-hmm. um, unless it was Titanic, I 100% remember. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Right? Titanic. <sighs> yeah. That's the movie Usually. you remember watching in a theater. Everything yes. else after that just is oh. gone. Usually, <laughs> it's like 300 episodes. <laughs> Usually, Jamie. Let's do another. And I. 301. Yeah, let's scratch election. Yeah. This is a Titanic <laughs> podcast now. Usually, it's one of us to bring up Titanic, and our guest is always like, Ugh, why are they talking about Titanic? Like, so, yep, thank movie. you. No, well, I was just going to say, we could bring it back to an election because really, if they were to have voted off who should have gotten off that fucking boat, it mm. would um, not have been half of those people who actually got off. The, yeah. uh, can you imagine, like, what a better world it would be if some of those rich motherfuckers had drowned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hot take. Yep. Wow. Yeah. But and some working class women had survived. Yes. <laughs> then great. Anyway. But yes, I so I watched I watched Election again around when it first came out. I thought it was hilarious. I thought Reese Witherspoon was 
a great anti-hero. Like, it's the kind of characters I like a lot. Mm. Um, and I'm still not sure. I, when I watch it again, I'm like, do I like her? Or do I not like mm-hmm. her? Like, it's, And I, I love that about her just as an actor. And honestly, like, who thought when that movie came out, was it 97? Uh, 99. That 20-something years, or less than 20 years later, I feel like it's the exact thing happening. It, it's <laughs> or happened so in 2016. The, yeah, the Weird. parallels between this movie and the Clinton Trump yes election well, and campaign I, are there's a lot to unpack there because I th- mm. I think that I mean we can get to this in a bit but I think that Tracy Flick is already partially inspired by Hillary Clinton in this movie because mm-hmm. yeah. this is at the end of the Clinton administration the public is always already well aware that. Hillary Clinton has ambitions beyond what well, what was the quote of you know making cookies and yeah, right, like right. Also, yeah. uh, I have some Wikipedia trivia for us. Hit it. That the novel that this movie is based upon, the novel was inspired by two key events. The first one was the 92 Bush v. Clinton election campaign. This, of course, mm-hmm. being Bill Clinton and not Hillary. But I think that that's when that quote may have first come out, though, of like yeah. that she was not going to be your average first lady if yeah. he was elected. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in that campaign, Ross Perot entered as a third-party candidate, um, which is echoed in the movie by Tammy Metzler oh showing my. up. Was Tammy Metzler the literal Green Party? <laughs> is she like fucking Nader? That's crazy. <laughs> Whoa, Gary Johnson. But if you fast forward her now, mm-hmm. she'd be Trump. She. I sort of thought that. I, that's what she's I was. She's the disruptor. Down. Right, like the she's... one who's like, don't do. She's not with I don't the, care about this. Do you do this? Don't do yeah, this. Yeah, I'm going to drain I'm the gonna, swamp. Yeah, I'm going to get yeah. rid of this. No She's more student body. Yeah. Uh, whatever. So I was like, crazy. Right. That's what I think I was thinking along those lines, but that totally makes sense that she, I guess in this context, would be third party, like Green Party. Yeah. Whoa. That, right, right, right. This movie is crazy. It's so <laughs> I really liked it. The other thing that the uh, novel was inspired by was a 92, 1992 incident at a high school in Wisconsin where a pregnant teenager was elected homecoming queen, but the staff announced a different winner and burned the ballots to cover it up. <gasps> How horrible. Fuck that. That's so crazy. That would so not work in today's social media world. (laughs) Absolutely. But in 92, they pulled it off. I mean, thankfully, homecoming doesn't define our lives. Yeah. Speak for yourself. (laughs) Well, we just did carry, so (laughs) a lot of lives were altered. True. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Caitlin, what's your history with election? I didn't see it until I think I was in college, so it would have been like the mid-2000s, so not that long after it came out, but certainly not right away. But I remember really enjoying it, but it was one of those movies that I liked, but just was like, okay, I've checked that off my list, move on to the next one on my list, didn't um, ever go back and revisit it. But I'm kind of bummed that I didn't, because upon rewatching it to prep for this episode, I was like, oh, this is like a really, this is a fun movie. The Tammy character, especially, I am I'm like so here for and uh yeah i really i enjoy this movie quite a bit i saw this movie yesterday for the first time mm-hmm. which listeners of, of the show will not be shocked to hear i've never i've only seen the movie doubt plus <laughs> and titanic mov- and titanic mm-hmm. plus all the movies we've done here minus 
minus the Matrix, which I didn't actually watch, <laughs> which is so often brought up in our iTunes reviews. If you're leaving us iTunes reviews, I encourage you to mention that as a plus, um, <laughs> as a metatextual thing. I saw this movie for the first time yesterday, and I really, really like it. Especially, like, I mean, there's so many great performances in that, but this is the only movie that I've seen anyways of also Matthew Broderick playing, like, a really despicable guy Mm -hmm. that you're supposed to hate. But he plays it so, like, I don't know. I I really enjoyed his performance uh, especially. And I I just want to talk about how Reese Witherspoon, I think it's, like, she's so so talented and she's so interesting where I feel like she's played – a character that has kind of the same description every time, but she plays this character so many different ways mm-hmm. over the years that it's just like, yeah, like making 50 different recipes out of the same basic ingredients uh, right. with her. It's so Including a couple of movies that we've covered, which is yeah. our, our most recent episode of Cruel Intentions, where she's mm-hmm. like in high school, she's like the virginal. But she's smart. You know, yeah, like very smart, ambitious young woman going to a private school and then getting tricked into having sex with Ryan Phillippe. And usually men are like threatened mm-hmm. by her. Yeah. 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 And then Elle Woods, of course, on yes. our bonus Matreon episode doing mm-hmm. Legally Blonde, kind of a variation on this character, but also entirely lie, different. All the way up to Big Little Lies, like that was sort of like a like returning to form a little bit of like that's a more mature version of the characters she got famous for playing yeah she's so she's very interesting to me yes indeed and this movie's great yeah yeah i mean the one thing that really stuck out to me were like there were so many themes that they talked about through it that Mm -hmm. you know even like right off the top through matthew broderick's like narration the talk of destiny at first and then they and then they talked about like morals versus versus ethics ethics. which is like a big one and and then just you know how much is too ambitious it was like so many things that Mm -hmm. Are so relevant. And the ending, I think, I know that we haven't even done the recap yet, but the ending of this movie, I watched it four times because it's just like the movie is firing on all cylinders mm-hmm. in like the last five minutes where, you know, the whole time you're experiencing the movie through unreliable narrators, mm-hmm. but it's like in the last couple minutes where Matthew Broderick's narration is still so cocky and then you see like it's so stark at the end that I won. I wish I had the time to, to go back and watch the whole thing over with that in mind of like, oh, you can't trust a fucking word that comes out of this guy's mouth for oh. a moment. But I mean, yeah. which you know, but like, I can't wait to watch this movie again. It's Yay. so good. Yeah. yeah. So I'll do the recap. Let's do it. Um, we meet Tracy Flick, played by Reese Witherspoon, of course. She is in high school. She's an overachiever. She is running for student council president. We meet Mr. McAllister, played by Matthew Broderick. Uh, he's a he's history... just everyday guy. Mm-hmm. He likes his wife and he likes his job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just a nice kid. Well, it, it starts out like, it's Matthew Broderick. Yeah. You like him, right? He's a teacher this time. Yeah. <laughs> you like that? Probably. But he seems to be perturbed by Tracy Flick. And then in the backstory, we learn that Tracy had a sexual relationship with another teacher, Mr. Novotny, who uh, got fired and he moves away. But he and Mr. McAllister were best friends. Locker room talk. You get you. We got a whole scene of locker room Mm. talk here. Oh yeah. Where we'll talk about this too. But the the, I think the movie is paced so well and like 
you start to hate Matthew Broderick's character in such specific increments where you're given a little bit of like, well, he didn't do anything wrong, but he was complicit as something wrong happened, mm-hmm. where he's always the moral high ground, even in that conversation where his best friend's like, I'm having sex with a minor. Mm-hmm cool right and then jim the matthew Bradger character says like well that's not ethical fucking ethics teacher he's like well that's not ethical and that's bad and da 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 but he he doesn't really do anything about it he just just kind of stands by as it happens Mm -hmm. he's like just tell me all the details please describe it even further (laughs) and then i'll go watch my creepy vhs porn yeah exactly and i'll just tell you that this isn't right but keep going yeah right Right. so i can picture everything he's like i don't want to hear that but secretly we're pretty sure he does (laughs) yeah um And this is one of the reasons, this relationship between this teacher and student is one of the reasons that Jim McAllister does not like Tracy. And we'll go into other reasons. But so Mr. McAllister doesn't want Tracy to win the student council president. So he approaches Paul, played by Chris Klein. Hubba yeah. hubba. Oh Chris my Klein. What an interesting jock character. I love this I can't movie. wait to talk about him. <laughs> Such an interesting Oh, right. So I he's a po- he's a popular kid. He's you know star of the football team. He I kind of love him. He's dumb as rocks. <laughs> he's so but he's sweet. He's that's the always sweetest. his character too, right? Yeah, that's kind yeah. of his thing. He's so good at it. What's the other? Oh god. Anyways, I'm gonna dig up some other Chris Klein mm. dumb dummy mm-hmm. parts. American Pie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A big one. Mm-hmm. So Mr. McAllister gets Paul to run an opposing campaign He's for like, president okay. uh, and hopes that Paul will beat Tracy Flick. So Paul starts campaigning and then we meet Paul's sister, Tammy, who is getting broken up with by this girl, Lisa, who then starts to date Paul. And then to retaliate, Tammy also starts running for student council president. As Donald Trump, sort of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where she promises, she's like, I don't care. I just want to do it to bother people. And (laughs) she's literally like Kanye MAGA hat, like just trolling everyone because she's mad. Yeah, yeah. Basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because she's running on the platform that student government is stupid, and if she wins, she will dismantle it. Just an anarchy platform. (laughs) Yeah. 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 This is giving me chills, guys. Yeah. But the people love it. The people are like, yeah, Tammy, you're cool. They love it way more than Paul's campaign because he is a terrible public speaker. Oh, but that's because (laughs) so cute. Hi, my name is Paul. Who who is that equivalent? That's the one I was trying to figure out. Oh, I think that's like Ted Cruz or something. Mm. Like the guy is like, oh, I'm supposed to inherit this castle. Oh, that's way more. It's like you know he was sort of the nicest Bush, and then you're like, okay, there you go. And there's even turn, right? (laughs) There's even almost that like, please clap moment where no one says that aloud but his like speech ends there are crickets and then mr McAllister has to be like yeah (laughs) if only we had found out like almost 20 years later that please clap actually came from election and jeb bush loves that movie (laughs) well fun fact according to according to director alexander payne election is obama's favorite political movie interesting oh god I'm sorry, I'm stuck. I haven't thought about please clap in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, uh, Jeb Jeb Bush implored people to clap for him, and that's Clap Facts with Caitlin. Okay. (laughs) Um, 
So people are loving Tammy also more than Tracy's campaign because she's just very, you know, bureaucratic by the book. She's you know. too prepared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Tracy is very frustrated and she rips down all of Paul's campaign posters. And then Tammy sees Tracy throwing them away in a dumpster. But Tammy decides to confess to Tracy's crime. Because that kind of helps her platform, too, of like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and the parallel to that is Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> We're finding the whole fat I'm just like, I just got to figure out how this is all parallel to everything that's <laughs> that fired yeah. up. <laughs> so meanwhile, Mr. McAllister is falling in love with Mr. Novotny's ex-wife, Linda. Or he thinks he is. He thinks he, he is. is. He doesn't know her. They have sex once, uh, but things very quickly fall apart after that whenever Linda tells jim's wife diane and then he gets kicked out of the house um and then the next day is election day at the school the students are casting their votes the committee is making their count and then the chairman of this uh, committee a student named larry concludes feminist icon larry yeah right Honestly. he's like really advocating for tracy because tracy and the truth yeah wins. the truth he's yeah <laughs> larry's all about the mm-hmm. truth because tracy wins the election by one vote and Mr. McAllister he simply goes, cannot allow this to happen. He goes full Florida, like mm-hmm. Florida 2000. Oh, yep. man, the hanging Chad. The yeah, Chad. He's the Chad. Damn it. <laughs> the hanging Chad. He pulls two of those Chads off and he throws them away so that it looks like Paul wins the election. Tracy's devastated, but Larry, feminist icon, He's suspicious. So, you know, he apparently goes to investigate. The two ballots that were thrown away are discovered. And then Jim McAllister has to submit his resignation from Carter High. Which I have so many thoughts about Mm -hmm. how the exit system for male teachers work at this school, too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that. Mm -hmm. God. Also, um, the side story about him getting it on with while he's lecturing Tracy. Right. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. He's he's trying his to preach morals and ethics. And old meanwhile, best friends. Uh huh. Yeah, he's trying to <laughs> woman. <laughs> oh, that's so frustrating too. It's just this movie is so nuts. So that happens, mm-hmm. and then we see something we never see in movies usually, where it's like he loses his job, he loses his wife. And then we kind of flash forward for the end. Right. Because he starts his life over. He moves to New York City. He gets a job at, like, the Natural History Museum. He is still harboring resentment for Tracy Flick and any But he says one... he doesn't. Right. He says he doesn't. He says but his it life is... is awesome and he lives in a basement. But he it could not be more clear for that 1500? he... <laughs> no. Still? That was triggering. That was yeah. a trigger. I was like... I used to live in New York. I was like, I remember these times. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Um, so he still hates Tracy and He's got a all Tracy types, yeah. even though he would have you believe that his life is great. Yeah, um, he actually and... feels bad for her. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, but, and we'll talk all about that. But yeah, that's pretty much the end of the film. So let's take a quick break and then we'll come back to discuss. Woo! Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, 
John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. So this story is Basically, a pathetic man who ruins his life because he resents women and is what it boils down to. All on women. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we see a female high school student who, unlike most high school students in movies, and certainly many that we've talked about recently, yeah. um, she has aspirations beyond wanting to get a boyfriend or beyond wanting to go to prom. Yeah. In fact, we don't even know how she feels about prom because she never mentions it but we do know how she feels about student council because the whole movie is about her wanting to win so if we're getting into the tracy discussion there's there's so much about her that it's like i don't know like unusual and like tricky to unpack in the context of the story or was for me where i would argue almost every character in this movie grows and changes very little in the, like their situations mm-hmm. change but they like i think almost part of the point of the movie is no one really changes yeah where they just kind of continue lying to themselves and others and that's politics baby like i get it but tracy in particular is is interesting because we're introduced with kind of a common shorthand to characterize a a female character which is you put her in a very fucked up what seems to be a statutory rapey relationship that clearly does even though it I think this movie avoids certainly avoids making it the center of her story Mm -hmm. but it clearly affects her a lot and the way this movie plays that storyline is very bizarre 
I mean, in terms of the metaphor, I don't know if that's like a politician that has a sex scandal or, or what that was supposed to mm-hmm. symbolize. But in terms of like in this story, it is an adult and a minor. I, I was a little confused at why it didn't seem to affect Tracy more. If the story's going to go out of its way to be like, here's a statutory rape mm-hmm. that happened. And then it does seem like Tracy, to her credit, but also a little bit to my confusion, continued to do everything in high school that she was going to do anyways, mm-hmm. almost unhindered right. by this relationship. I thought that was a little weird. I don't know. Yeah, I had a hard time kind of processing this component of the story as well, because she, as far as we can tell, as far as the story presents it, she is a willing and consenting participant of this relationship. This, that, and and yeah. the, this is another place where the voiceover, where you know the voiceover is biased and not necessarily true. But I feel like movies like do this a lot where she literally says, I know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, yeah, I know what I'm thinking. You're getting raped by right, your yeah. teacher. Mm-hmm. And movies almost say like by acknowledging it, they get a pass, but it's like, no, that's still what's happening in the movie. But mm-hmm. she says, like, I know what you're thinking, and basically says, I was a fully consenting party. Don't worry about it. Da, da, da. But, it, like, the breakup sucked. Mm-hmm. But it's like... Well, she almost kind of... It seems like the relationship ends because her mother finds out about it. Mm-hmm. and We don't see enough of the mother in this movie either. It's very weird. True. Yeah. So the, f- the mother finds out about it in a scene that happens off screen because we only see the aftermath of it, which mm-hmm. is Dave Novotny being very broken up over the relationship ending. We and, don't and that's really... that's played for laughs, too. Yeah. We were in love. Like, that whole thing is played for... I mean, he's supposed to look pathetic, and he's very clearly, in the context of the story, in the wrong. But it just was weird that it fits the tone of the movie. But mm-hmm. him looking, like, pathetic and then being like, okay, you got to work at a grocery store. Because when they bring it back later, it's also played for laughs. Right. I just didn't like that this rape was continually played for laughs and didn't impact the story really that right. much. Right. And then the way that Tracy responds to the relationship and the breakup is that, oh, he had to go and get all mushy. Like, yeah, oh, he had to go and my thing. fall in love with me. Yeah. yeah. I miss our talks, but otherwise, like, what a loser kind of thing. So, yeah, I feel like that's not necessarily the most realistic way in which that that type of relationship would play out, especially as it pertains to how it would affect a teen girl. Right. Well, so but, I think the way that they, I, I think, yeah, my my issue was that they made it seem like she, based on her voiceover, that, that she was consenting and she's like, mm-hmm. oh, he didn't, you know, he didn't do anything. And then clearly in the action, you see he convinced her, like, you know, by playing right. her emotions and manipulating her. But then mm-hmm. at the scenes when they actually start, like, progressing and are having sex and the moment when she's about to enter the room, she looks scared. And, and she looks of, like, oh, my God, I have to do this. Okay. And he kind of has to pull her into the yeah. room. Yeah. And then later for her to come back and be like, oh, well, he caught feeling. Right. <laughs> it was like, huh? Right. I was well, like, I thought you were I'm confused. That was why I was like, oh, I want to watch the movie over knowing that all the voiceover are lies. Because I guess now understanding that a little better, it's like, oh, all that voiceover was not true necessarily because we see her being coerced and i think the movie understands that but it just like it just wasn't clear because it's so early in the movie where yeah and then even at the end her final scene though when she sees 
the teacher character again. Mm-hmm. She's like a young politician or something, and she's getting in a car with some senior male politician. Mm-hmm. And the, her look is almost like, am I fucking him? Oh. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, wait, are you, what? What is he? Because it was sort of like the that. teacher insinuating it in a little bit with that, I thought. Oh, I, I hadn't even thought of that. That's totally... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't That's know. Crazy. That's where I th- I was like, is he trying to say that she's like using somebody again, or you know? Well, because it seems and this is certainly how um, Jim McAllister perceives her, and I think how you can definitely interpret this as that she'll kind of stop at nothing to get ahead, and if that means you know sleeping her way to the top i feel like the movie is suggesting that that's a definite possibility for her yeah that i mean that side of it i think that there it's not even like that needed to be written out of the story entirely it just felt like that was one of the few subplots of this movie that just like wasn't handled mm-hmm. responsibly or satirically enough right or there was just something about it because it, it really it's not like the, te- the teacher she was messing with like did he add something to her life that i think it's more for jim than if, if that storyline affects jim more than it does her because that opens up that guy's ex-wife yeah. and sets the precedent that like jim is like this complicit kind of two-faced guy it's just weird that they used her as the mm-hmm. yeah as the catalyst for that like she's the bad one when she was the kid getting and right. jim resent i mean and i think that jim secretly resents tracy because now he, he doesn't work with his friend anymore yeah that was oh well th- that's to me that's the main reason yeah, that narratively yeah, yeah. why this is in the story because he needs a reason i mean it's very clear that he does not respect women and he is no. very threatened and he talks his way around it for so long no yeah. he's like he's like i don't blame tracy and then but spends the rest blaming her yeah Yeah. so to me the reason that this part of the story exists in the movie is that he needs a compelling i guess reason that he really actively resents her and yeah has to like it motivates him to retaliate but i feel like by making it a situation where she is the victim of statutory rape is a weird choice and Mm -hmm. it's i mean like we see in many movies it is directed by a man co-written by two men and adapted from a novel written by a man so right so we're three degrees of separation away from i mean we're a million degrees because no one was talked to (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh not to get too stuck on this point because there's so much to talk about but there was just uh the way that relationship was portrayed there was one scene especially that like made my heart hurt a little bit because I feel like there's like a lot of girls who in high school, like, even if it's not the extent of that experience, there's like a teacher who talks to you some kind of way and goes out of their way to make you feel special. And then you look back on it and you're like, wait a second, that mm-hmm. was, you did. I, I literally had an art teacher who would always be very complimentary of all the girls. And then after school would be like, you should chug a bottle of cough syrup and like come back tomorrow and tell me what you did. Oh. Like just I, like wow, that was yeah. that kind. And you see, I mean, people wonder why women, particularly young women, have like this eternal fraud syndrome. And I think this is like a very concise, the way that scene plays out, I thought was like effective to the point of being a little painful to watch where 
you know, it's like here's this older man who Tracy clearly has a lot of respect for and she's a crush on him, whatever. And uh, he tells her she's smart, she's special, Mm -hmm. she's attractive. And then it's just like this coercion thing. It's basically the same speech that Jack gives Rose in Titanic where he's like, you're the most outstandingly wonderful. But it's not because he means (laughs) it. Right, right, right. (laughs) And they're in love. But they're, they're, but it, that keyword, it they're in love. It hits the same beats because he's like, "You're the most a wonderful, girl. astounding woman. Th- girl, woman I've ever known." And then Dave Novotny is like, "You're the most uh, smart, sensitive, attractive student person Human I've being. ever met." Yeah, oh, I hate it. Yeah. it. It just that is so like if there's a one scene in a movie I've seen in the past couple of years that concisely puts like, "Why do all actually smart, uh, talented women?" have this kind of fraud syndrome it's like maybe because men say that just to fuck them mm-hmm. and then they feel like it's not true because someone just said it so that they get I'll, I'll just add the tiniest point because mm-hmm. again i don't i don't want to stay on this too long i'm sure okay. but um when jim jim, jim yeah. there, mm-hmm. when he talks about like why he's upset the first cut is to the Dave guy saying like her pussy gets a wet or something like yeah. and then you're like oh wait a minute is he talking about this kid and then with this whole Kavanaugh thing happening the headline has been you know Trump says it's dangerous to be a young man right now and I was like is it dangerous to be a young man right now mm-hmm. <gasps> I'm like interesting well welcome to our life for all of time right yeah, it's like if it's so dangerous welcome. to be a woman at all times in all of history and eternity uh-huh. one sorry, one more point about this where there is such heavy, and I was annoyed about it until again the very end, where I'm like, "There's so much voiceover in this movie," but voiceover is used to introduce the characters as well. Uh, another movie where that ha- where that happens that we did not too long ago is Royal Tenenbaums, mm-hmm. and there was a tendency in those movies where the male characters were introduced in voiceover with their accomplishments, and the women were introduced with their sexual history. Oh yes, oh, uh, and I didn't notice that. this movie doesn't quite do that it's it it was almost an inversion of it where tracy flick is introduced with her accomplishments and she's introducing herself yes and then there's a sudden flip where it's like and here's the other stuff i don't i I guess i don't feel any which way about it but it it just reminded me Mm -hmm. of at least at at very least many facets of her life were presented and Mm -hmm. it wasn't like here's the girl and here's who she fucked right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah there's some of that but it's not exclusively that right Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how Jim McAllister views women. It is very clear, especially as the story goes on, that he feels extremely threatened by strong, smart, ambitious women. He says in his voiceover toward the beginning that he does not blame Tracy for what happened with Dave. How could I? Dave was an adult over twice her age. Sure, she got on my nerves once in a while, but I admired I admired Tracy. I really did. And as he's saying that, he's like throwing away the signatures that she got to be able to campaign for president. And it's obvious that he does not admire her, that he does blame her and resent her for the situation with Novotny being fired. But he places none of the blame on him and he places all of the blame on Tracy. Yeah, I mean, Jim, the way I interpreted that character was like, a demonstration of like here's the most average guy in the world who at the beginning of the movie 
you know, he's just, he's average as fuck. He seems relatively content-ish. Mm-hmm. And then let's peel back every, there, even in the, the most average of people is this deep-seated hatred of certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, it goes up to a fucking 11 from there. But there was, it's because he is so average. Yeah. And he, yeah hates women and he doesn't think he hates women Mm -mm. and that i think is a lot of guys (laughs) and tracy points that out too right in her voiceover says that i mean i would hate my life if i were him and just like the the monotony of what he does all the time and she in her depiction was like on every student body like any every team and yeah, yeah exactly she was like in the front of everything and and it's it's kind of hard to know i guess because this was and because it's so steeped in politics, like the, the Monica Lewinsky scandal is a few years before this. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost hard to know exactly how the writers of this movie want these lines to come off, which is interesting. I mean, I'd be interested in hearing what Alexander Payne thought in 99 versus now, because I think the reading of this movie is very open to interpretation mm-hmm. in a good way where you can mm-hmm. kind of see what you want in it. But they're, uh, really quick, I, I want to go back to... My buddy, feminist icon Roger Ebert, who almost always has the worst take <laughs> and the most stupid. Like, everyone was like, he was the best, but uh, go back and read his stuff. He wasn't. Uh, his his summary of the movie is so telling, where he gave it a good review, but he says, here's a movie that's not simply about an obnoxious student, yeah, but also about an imperfect teacher, a difficult administration, and a student body that's mostly just marking time until it can go out into the world and occupy valuable space that is his so all that to say the reading of this movie in the 20 years after has probably changed Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. oh for sure yeah the next thing i want to say about jim McAllister and how he views women uh specifically tracy flick is that not only does he resent her for uh you know his best friend getting fired and not only does he feel threatened by her ambitiousness he has a bunch of sexual fantasies about her mm-hmm. well, he has a lot of sexual fantasies about a lot yeah. of people yeah, yes every um, woman who's not his wife yeah <laughs> every woman except the woman who loves him well is it anyone Wait. else besides linda because i feel uh, linda and tracy it's linda tracy and then he watches porn and but yeah. and it was also like a teacher student porn yes oh was it i thought it was a football player and cheerleader that oh, they were and, both students and then he projects dave on oh it. yeah that's yeah that's happens. what i thought it was yeah yeah it, it is mostly tracy and, and linda who mm-hmm. he takes stuff out on but even based on there's like a few shots and I kind of want to compare this shot later on to a shot we see of Tammy versus a shot of Jim because those characters balance each other out in this very bizarre way. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a few shots where we see Jim's direct viewpoint. So, you know, some some male gazy shit. Mm-hmm. Some of it's more obvious where that time, you know, like you see that shot of like Linda's boobs. Oh, yeah. He's like hanging a, a fruit. She's thing. framed sexually. Mm-hmm. His wife is not framed sexually. Right. Uh, even during sex scenes, she's not <laughs> framed sexually. And then anytime Jim's voiceover is going and we get those really unflattering shots of Tracy. Um, so the like the visual, even the visual language uh, is, is telling you how Jim feels about mm-hmm. the women around him. Yeah. 
And then he's the type of person that after that day that he spends with Linda, you know, he takes her to the mall to go shopping and is like helping her out around her house. He's like driving her back and then they see like a motel on the side of the road and he's like, should we get a room? And she's like, that's not funny. So he's like making a sexual advance. She rejects it. And then when he's back home and talking to his wife, she's like, oh, how was your day? His wife. His wife. She's like, how was your day? And he's like, oh, you know, Linda's great, but she can be a little much sometimes. Mm-hmm. So he's the type oh. of who, when his advances are, like, rebuffed and rejected by a woman, he... Starts talking shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's a f- feminist icon. <laughs> there's, I mean, I think that there's, this is the same year American Beauty comes out. I'm pretty sure that also came out in 99. There are a few parallel, I, I like this movie a million times more than I like American Beauty. Mm. I can't stand that movie. Yeah. But there are a few like recognizable qualities in him and then Kevin Spacey's character in in that movie where the small like micro punishments of the women around them mm. when he feels reduced or rejected mm. or just and that that line about Linda is so great cuz I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, I can picture almost any guy I know saying something about someone else that way and not even having it barely register. Oh, yeah. Right. I, I, without getting personal, but my one of my exes, who I've often talked about on my podcast, crazy one, we'll just go with that. <laughs> um, he, When he was cheating on me, he would talk about the girl he was cheating on me with, but he would keep saying, like, shitty things about her. Oh, and, yeah. and, like, always being like, she was, she was blah, 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 blah. That's probably and, a like, telltale then, sign that oh, someone's 100%. cheating on you. And I then, didn't even, like, oh. I didn't even know that they were friends. Yeah. And then when I found out, I was like, huh? And I was like, wait, so all this time. I had to go do that. <laughs> Fuck, man. Mm-hmm. Well, now you know. I was out trying to throw you off the scent. And sometimes it fucking works. Yeah. <laughs> Another fun thing happens where later on when Jim McAllister ruins his own life by cheating on his, his wife. His wife. He calls Linda and blames her for ruining his life. So he is the type of person who's not willing to uh, accept any blame or to take accountability for anything that he's done. He's always looking for other people to pass the blame on to, or he's resenting everyone else for things that he is complicit in or that other things have done, other people have done wrong. I think almost at the top of that is like any woman exerting power over him he's going to retaliate against Mm -hmm. because even, I mean, part of the reason I thought he didn't, he wasn't even being affectionate towards his wife, uh, even though, you know, she certainly didn't do anything wrong was because she really wanted a baby. And that like, almost like, first of all, that's lazy writing, Mm. uh, for, for, (laughs) uh, his wife kind of character. Mm. But also just like the, the fact that he wasn't the primary focus of her desire, I think is, a pretty clear reason why he'd want to retaliate against her. He wants to be the center of everything. And he's so threatened. And this is like fucking pathetic. He's so threatened by Tracy wanting to be student body president (laughs) that he rigs an election where there's that line where he's like, the sight of Tracy at that moment affected me in a way I can't explain. Who knew how high she'd climb in life? How many people would have to suffer because of her? I had to stop her now. Like he's so afraid of female power in any uh-huh. way that he and it just gets so pathetic and i love when he gets stung by a bee okay. <laughs> and, and just like the fact that like he's saying like how many people would she affect in her life and right. it's like while you know you stay quiet while your best friend was fucking a minor and mm-hmm. her life is ruined his life is ruined the wife's life is ruined your wife's life is ruined your 
baby's life is ruined. (laughs) (sighs) Paul's life is ruined. Poor Paul. Poor Paul. Well, also, his wife never gets pregnant, right? His wife. Not that we see in the story. I think that that's another thing. He's he's impotent. I think that that was like what that message. They were having baby sex every night. and Yeah, they were trying for a year and uh, yeah, Yeah, never conceived. He's an impotent man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back for more. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric. Cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. I just wanted to read some quick stats about women in politics, and then we can, you know, talk about some more specific characters. Uh, Let's just use Congress as an example, a little microcosm of politics, if you will. Well, (laughs) tell me more about this Congress. In 2018, the year that we are currently living in, unless you are listening to this podcast from, you know, 2194 because this podcast is gonna last last and and really hold up too yeah this will be the last thing people hear yeah before they die yeah (laughs) if you're listening to this podcast you do have seven days to live (laughs) (laughs) okay so in 2018 there are 107 women in Congress, making up only 20% of members of Congress. Hot. In 1999, the year that this movie comes out, 
there were only 63 women in Congress. 100 years ago, guess how many were, women were in Congress? We couldn't vote, so. Uh, there, there was one. None? There's there was one. one? There was one? There was yeah. one in Congress when we couldn't fucking vote? <laughs> how did that happen? Who was that? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I oh, need to do more her, research. But, shake her uh, dead hand. But Rutgers.edu gave me some, some hot info. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Rutgers. So, um, All right, Rutgers. <laughs> Um, much like in movies, women are wildly underrepresented in politics, too. Uh, wouldn't yeah. you know it? Uh, except if you're listening to this right now, a record number of women are running for political positions this year, midterms, today. Go Ooh, out and vote right now. Yeah. Uh, also, if you combine movies and politics to things that are so good to women uh, historically, the results are even worse. A quick Google search of political movies will yield results that show nearly every movie in that sort of subgenre of uh, political movies mm-hmm. is about men, except for yeah. that Sarah Palin movie, Game Changer, and maybe a few other Which kind of wild cards here and there. is awesome in rules. I have uh, not seen that movie. say, the one time we're ever like, Sarah Palin fucking... Literally. <laughs> I, it's, oh She's awesome. Her movie was just about her. <laughs> I loved her talk show about moose or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Very ironic. Uh, that was literally what it was. It was like Sarah Palin goes to the woods and French is a moose. Remember when she could have been a heartbeat away from the presidency, whatever. Um, I don't know. That's almost one of those like ripple effects things where if you're basing movies on real life events, it would be really hard to make movies about women. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, but only if you are making movies about very high level politicians like there's where's the hidden figures of women working in pot like women doing the actual work while mr guy is wearing his mr suit and he's like that was me Mm -hmm. um so it's it's like one of those things where it's like yeah it's like hard to find you have to really look for those stories and people Mm -hmm. should but if there were more movies about women in politics little girls could have seen them and said hey i see myself represented on screen uh, that's going to influence my decision to go into politics yeah. but because well, there was the, not the, the representation uh it perpetuates the cycle right uh, and this this movie i mean it's interesting because i mean just based on that ebert review alone i think that people's view of tracy tends to be all over the place and I was sort of having trouble placing how the movie feels about her at times mm-hmm. same and I think that that is intentional yeah, in a way I where yeah. I don't even think the movie's totally okay with female power and I think that the movie wants you to feel like she's kind of annoying and she's overly ambitious mm-hmm. I don't read that character that way at all but it seems like just based on the time this movie came out, and uh, listeners, if you have any opinions or more information, please let us know. But it seems like this character, to an extent, I mean, down to the way she's styled, is supposed to be a Hillary Clinton style character where Mm -hmm. from so early to her being in the public eye whether you like her or dislike her whatever we're not even going to get into that but she was portrayed from moment one as a power hungry woman Mm -hmm. uh who whose very existence was emasculating her (laughs) male counterpart Mm -hmm. and like almost no matter what side whether you were on the left or the right or whatever that was the general view was that she was she wanted too much she was trying to be too powerful and it seems like that is supposed to be the exact same values that we see in tracy even though 
with the benefit of time, there's so much more there. But mm-hmm. it, it was, I don't know, it just seems like a, a weird, inconclusive commentary on something mm-hmm. that I'm like, I don't know how Alexander Payne feels about her. Right. I think he likes her, but thinks she's annoying and should go away. <laughs> right. And then, but there's some moments where... Tracy expresses different frustrations about, you know, working really hard for something and saying stuff that really resonated with me where she says, uh, she's talking about her mom. She says she likes to write letters to successful women like Elizabeth Dole and Connie Chung and ask them how they got to be where they are and what advice they have for me, Tracy, her daughter. Nine times out of 10, they say you have to hold on to your dreams no matter what. The pressures women face mean you have to work twice as hard and you can't let anything or anyone stand in your way Mm -hmm. so on one hand it's like yeah she's seems like she's willing to kind of like trample on some people to climb her way to the top but uh, and on the other hand she's saying yeah like as a woman she has to work twice as hard gets not nearly as much of the recognition and you know it's always an uphill battle for her well it was also such a mirror again of the 2016 election where It was clearly, out of the two final candidates, the more experienced mm-hmm. one who had less of a personality, but more, you know what I mean, in terms of a magnanimous kind came, of thing. Came off as a little bit cold. Yeah, cold mm-hmm. and, you know, the, not as personable the way people perceived it. And then the other person, far less qualified, mm. but this big person who spoke in layman language and mm-hmm. used you know, short words and descriptions for everything (laughs) um, that related to a lot of people. He reminded me of George W. Bush a few times (laughs) where it was just like he's simple and he'll do what he's told. That's that's such a big part of elections nowadays, right? It's like, is it about the quality of the candidate and their policies and uh, their experience or is it personality? Is this yeah. like who do you want to get a beer again? with? Yeah, like I don't want yeah. to get a beer with a political candidate. Yeah. Please give me the best policies. Right. And then do your job. Don't don't drink with me. Don't yeah. come to the cha cha lounge with me. Yes. Senators. <laughs> Go to work. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, Tracy expresses this very sentiment in a fairly long monologue that I will paraphrase. But basically, she's saying, you know, you might think I'm upset that Paul Metzler decided to run. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the qualifications that I do. Yeah, it sucks that some people are just handed everything to them. And while other people like me, who have worked very, very hard for their entire lives, you know, trying to get what they want. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, it doesn't bother me at all. And obviously it does because every right. every person who delivers any sort of voiceover narration in this movie is not unreliable. Lying to themselves <laughs> yeah. and others. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that, I mean, that res- I'm sure that resonated with all of us. Yeah. Like, hearing mm-hmm. that. And, and the reason, I guess the reason I say it, because it, it's weird because stuff like that is so clearly written where you're like, the, whoever's writing this story must, you know, feel for Tracy and at least to some extent understand her but then where that character is left like you were saying a little earlier Natasha it's like it's a little bit weird where the last line I think we hear her speak is like when she's at college and she's still the implication at the end of like because she is intelligent and has ambitions that she will be alone forever Mm -hmm. was a weird place to leave that character because that's one of the few moments where 
you know, in the voiceover, she's like, and it's totally fine. And that's the lie. But you see reflective in the voiceover and what happens. That's what the movie thinks Mm-hmm. happens to her is that she doesn't really have friends in high school and people point that out to her a few times mm-hmm. and, it, and it clearly does affect her in small ways and then we see her flash forward to college and there's that voiceover line if you want to be great you've got to be lonely and mm-hmm. we see her alone and it's just like such a weird I was like then how do you feel about this woman movie because that is you know not necessarily true it's not I mean it seems like yeah. it's like this is the truth for this kind of woman. And I mean, my my guess would be that the writer, uh, who, whoever at what point in the like line of men uh, that wrote this movie, <laughs> that must have been something that felt true to them because yeah. it's presented like it's true. Well, can I say so? Uh, we've done two episodes of this on our podcast that we did one on the science of relationships and another one with the author of a book called uh, the the love gap of why smart women are single mm. that's the one i was listening to yeah oh okay cool yeah. yeah and i think in that one she references the psychologist from science of relationships who was on our podcast and they, they talk about um their case studies that say and I d- i'm gonna fuck up the ratio or the mm. percentage but a large percentage like if you ask guys what kind of woman do you want like 80% of them say they want a smart, independent, ambitious woman mm-hmm. who like can think on her own, all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like less than 57% or something like that. 57% of guys actually end up with a dependent woman mm-hmm. and they don't actually end up with the independent woman. And so this is a whole book and case study around the fact that like theoretically you love the idea of this but when you're actually faced with this person they make you feel less than yeah which is like Mm -hmm. the jim McAllister character right Right. like he felt whenever he was around somebody like tracy Mm -hmm. a reminder that he is living this monotonous life when Mm -hmm. she chose to take steps to you know (laughs) yeah and there's a line that he has in the very end Whenever he talks, when he he's seeing her in Washington, D.C., and he says something like, oh, I I feel sorry for her. She's probably still waking up at 5 a.m. every day pursuing her stupid little dreams. And it's like and he's like holding a fucking Slurpee cup. No disrespect. But, you know, I love Slurpee Nation. But he's out there you know, denigrating yeah. the the visual of holding a Slurpee cup. That's <laughs> like a 45-year-old dude, a like, 45. living in a basement in New York. But, like, you know, he looks so pathetic. And then he throws a, he throws the yeah. Slurpee at the limo. He's like, I'm so mad. Me, me, me. I volunteer. I'm a docent. And he's got this, like clinically depressed new girlfriend who's <laughs> like she's recently out of her relationship and he in that shot I don't know if you notice she's talking about something and he stares at her tits and so he oh, just I is so that. unchanged it's yeah. so like fuck this guy but there's millions of him mm-hmm. yeah and we know some of them yeah so as far as Tracy goes I liked her as a character quite a bit I identified with her because I feel like I was not exactly like her in high school, but I was like way too ambitious and taking things way too seriously. And like my thing was like, I want to graduate in the top 5% of my class. And like yeah. I was, you know, joining, I was doing mock trial. I was, you know, playing the sports and I doing would all the stuff. Pay for a VHS of you doing that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I, you know, related to her. And there were some moments in high school where I also like felt like a loner because I was like, man, no one's taking their studies as serious as me. So I, I, got, I can't let these people slow me down. And like, yeah. in any case, this is all to say that um, I generally like the way that she's written. And I find her to be you know, a fairly multi-dimensional, interesting character. For sure. We often don't see that, uh, especially in, you know, kind of teen high school movies like this. There's yeah. just a few blind spots. For exactly. Me. Yeah. For sure. One of the blind spots that, I don't know if it was a timing thing, but I feel like we're kind of set up like Tracy's mom is going to be an important character in this story, but then she never really becomes that. Like she only actually speaks and I think like one, one scene. scene which is weird because we she's introduced in voiceover as like my mom is awesome she raised me on her own she contacts powerful women she's like supports me she's a paralegal you know we know what she does for a living and then the lazy writing of like i know what you're thinking i grew up without a dad so i hate men and it's like mm. okay this is horrible writing why are we doing this mm. uh but then the the mom character there's blind spots there too because the mom gets so mad she finds out that you know like her daughter's being taken advantage of to say the least mm -hmm. by her own teacher but then doesn't demand something beyond him being fired like there's just a few weird like sure. if that were my, like a mom that seems as on it as this mom is presented to be she would be trying to get this dude in fucking jail he would not be working at a grocery well, store well maybe she did she did try and... to sue jim she did Oh, at the end, they had like the newspaper yeah. that said that she, but oh. not, but not Dave, the one who actually, right, assaulted oh, him. Well, maybe it's daughter. commentary on how when women come forward about you know abuse and assault, not there's no consequences, yeah. nothing I, happens. But it's I'm I don't think it is active credit. <laughs> no, I don't think it's active commentary on but definitely that. True. But yeah, it's weird. I used to I when I first watched the movie, I'll be honest, I didn't like Tracy mm, when I was mm -hmm. young. Sure, and I didn't know enough, and I was like, she's sure. just not nice and I like the nice guy and the nice guy should have won and I can't believe and then as I've grown older and become more obviously grown and matured in my own and yeah. and I though I've always been ambitious I think the part of her that was very like I would do anything to get there part never related to me mm -hmm. um, and so I think I sort of blacklisted her in that way and this time when I watched her I really appreciated the passion she had and and you know her actually not getting brought down by the stupid teacher who yeah. did this horrible thing to her mm -hmm. um but to like not have lost all of her zeal for it like yeah. I, I appreciated mm -hmm. that part mm -hmm. um and like I mean at the end even when she lost for a second she was like okay like she I, accepted defeat. Yeah. She cries a lot, but yeah. she, you in a know, purple pantsuit <laughs> the whole bit. Yeah. The world wept. It was it was a yeah. tough morning mm. for everyone. Tough, tough Even though day. she did, she won the popular vote, but that damn electoral college. Yeah. <laughs> Man, <sighs> that's an excellent point. I would, I mean, for any listener who hasn't seen this movie in a while, particularly since the last election, mm. probably. Go back and watch it and see how your opinions of the characters have changed. Because if you, especially if you saw it when it first came out, chances are your br brain has been uh, scrambled upwards. Mm, certainly, yeah. yeah. I want to talk about Tammy and the uh, queerness that's represented on mm -hmm. the screen. Yes. Um, because when we first are introduced to Tammy Metzler, uh, she and Lisa are kissing. Lisa's not really into it. She leaves and then we hear uh, Tammy's voiceover which is that 
Uh, it's not like I'm a lesbian or anything. I'm attracted to the person. It's just that all the people I've ever been attracted to happen to be girls. She's Yeah, she's struggling with coming yeah. out of the yeah. closet. <laughs> Figuring it out. Yeah, I, I really liked Tammy. I appreciated her whole, like, anarchy thing where obviously that doesn't translate well into, like, current politics or, like, our actual situation. But mm-hmm. as, you know as a high school student body where what even is in my school, at least like the student body government got nothing accomplished, like didn't do anything. It was really just a title and and a popularity contest. And and that was it. So I kind of, I like that she recognizes that. I like that she advocates for herself. She stands up for herself. She does call Tracy a cunt. Uh, Tammy's kind of a mixed bag for me. I'll be honest. Uh, There's, I mean, it it is so rare, I mean, especially in a movie at this time, to see any queer representation in a teen movie. As we kind of know, based on, I mean, a lot of movies we've been doing recently um, are teen movies of this era, and mm-hmm. you very rarely see a fleshed-out queer character who mm-hmm. we know something about them other than they're queer. Right. But a lot of, I mean, it's there are some really good moments that she has, and then there's other stuff that it's like, Ooh, really? This is the. Di- I mean, this movie first of all has no recognition of bisexuality. It's a very simplistic view of mm. even. I mean, that line that you just said that like I, I fall in love with the person. Yeah. Uh, could be interpreted to be kind of a forward-thinking. You know, there's like sure. a, a statement of like not recognizing the binary in that way. But mm-hmm. the way we're supposed to read it is that she is uh you know strictly attracted to women and just doesn't want to admit it to herself or isn't right ready the fact that she only enters the race for revenge against another woman who i don't totally understand the lisa character was very confusing to me of like why is lisa retaliating against tammy so hard if we are supposed to believe that she is not queer in any way like, yeah, what? Lisa's motivations are not clear, She's well defined, or, or explained at all. Sense at yeah. all. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. the only thing you hear is Paul's like, and then Lisa just came over and she went down on me. You're like, huh? Yeah. I, I was like, what? but I mean, the, the only way I pieced it together was she was using Tammy to get to her brother, but they should have just added oh. some some line in that that, like, that's what she was doing and was, like, sort of experimenting with her and was like, nah, I'm not really into this. I'm really actually into your But brother. then she gets so into running Paul's campaign. That's and the thing. Like, I'm like, maybe there's some political reference I'm not getting mm-hmm. in this. Like, there was, for every character that confused me, I'm like, maybe this is a reference to a 90s politician mm. that I just, like, am not <laughs> as aware of. But... The fact that Tammy enters the race as kind of like a Trumpy rogue candidate that's like, burn it all down because I want to get revenge against someone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, okay, what what else do we got, Tammy? Like, what else? And uh, we see, see scenes where she's stalking Lisa. And right. Oh, she, yeah. She yeah. is stalking for love, hiding, hiding in trash cans, the whole <laughs> fucking montage we've seen a million times. I was mm-hmm. like, okay. Yeah. What else we got, Tammy? And she uh, calls, uh, I forget if it's uh, Tracy a bitch, Lisa a cunt, Tracy a cunt, Lisa a bitch. Mm-hmm. That exchange is made. Uh, and then you're like, okay. It's not like women aren't allowed to dislike other women. What else do we got? Mm-hmm. Uh, the one scene with, Tammy, a character that I do genuinely like, and to seeing like 
representation and her being there is powerful in itself. But the way the movie treats the character and the choices that she makes, I feel like villainizes her in a way that's not necessary. True. The one moment I really liked uh, of hers that to me almost stands in like direct opposition to the way we see Jim all the time is Mm. that scene where I forget what motivates her leaving the house. I think it's when like Tammy finds out she has to go to Catholic school or something. She's going to have to drop out of the election and she sees a a soccer field full of girls Mm -hmm. and she's looking at them. And so it is a gazy shot, but it's not an exploitative shot where there's like, she's standing far away and she's looking you know, and you can tell like she's interested and and possibly attracted, but it's not creepy, right? And it's and then you see anytime Jim looks at a woman, it's very creepy mm-hmm. and cropped and whatever. And I was like, that was my favorite scene with Tammy, where mm-hmm. you saw like that felt like. I mean, I'd be interested in what our listeners think. That felt like the closest thing to like positive progressive representation of just like a girl recognizing her own sexuality and you know being semi okay with it Mm -hmm. but i feel like that character is is weird in a lot of ways well she's just as kind of it seems as unreliable of a narrator as everyone else where you know she at the end she goes to catholic school and she meets another girl whose name i forget but there's a little Oh, right. Jennifer. (laughs) Juniper. Right. (laughs) Where she's like, we're soulmates and we're never going to be apart and we're, you know, best friends and we love each other. And you can kind of imagine that that story will play out a very similar way as her relationship with Lisa because she keeps, seems like she's kind of chasing after girls who may be open to experimenting or who may be questioning, but ultimately end up you know identifying as hetero and that like lines her up with all the other characters who basically end where they started mm-hmm. at the end of the movie too yeah where it's like this could have been an opportunity for her to you know learn and grow but she nah. simply does not yeah. <laughs> the only yeah the only thing i felt with like the three candidates was the girls all seem angsty and like mm-hmm. the one Paul guy is just so cool oh, and laid true. back and he's just totally. like wants to be this cool dude and like man I just I just became homecoming king and everybody loves me and <laughs> you know Lisa went off to find somebody else but I guess that's life like he's so cool and she, and like the girls are like she's like the, the angsty lesbian trying to figure her life out and I'm like why yeah. is it <laughs> Like, her whole thing is, like, anger. But then he also turns to camera at the end, and he's like, maybe my life would have been different. He's like, or maybe I'd be dead. And it's like, what? (laughs) Why did they choose to break the fourth wall there? Yeah. Because he's the only person that does that, right? Yeah. And I don't know if that line even, like, makes sense. character? There's some, like, cognitive dissonance there. I don't know. There's a whole other movie in that line. (laughs) It's like, is he secretly very deep and, like, nihilistic? and things right. that he's going to die. Yeah. Uh, I, I do, I totally see your point uh, of Tammy is just as fucked up as anyone mm-hmm. in, in the movie. I guess it's just the, the main person we have to compare her to is Tracy, mm-hmm. who is not as conniving. She is, I think, just as frustrated and angry. But I think it just gets back to the problem of like, well, because Tammy is the only queer character we see represented, everything she does 
it's almost hard to keep it individual sure. because queer people are never represented. And so when you do see like the one queer character doing all these like this petty bullshit, you're like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That it's know. dangerous. I guess I just like looking at it on the surface and, and not analyzing her character any deeper than that, like what we've just done, but just kind of on a very surface level, like her speech that she gives and then the scene where she's like praying and saying like, hey God, I know I don't believe in you, but I'm going to Catholic school soon. So like, I guess I better practice. And then, mm-hmm. you know, her speech is all like, who cares? Like, I don't even want to be running for this. You know, I'm just going to dismantle this institution and like, don't vote. I don't care. And I was Except just like, oh, she's today cool. You should vote. Right. Don't, <laughs> don't listen to Tammy. You should vote and you should care. And your yeah. vote counts. Can we talk about yeah. Paul? Hubba, we gotta hubba. talk about we gotta, Paul. Just gotta keep Where to that. begin with Paul? Well, you He's can start by uh, saying that he, unlike many jock football player type characters that we see in teen movies, uh-huh. he is not this like gross, misogynist, toxic masculinity poster child. Paul's a blank slate, dude. He's, he's sweet and he's sensitive and he like loves his sister and he like is originally opposed to running against Tracy and and her and he's like I'm not gonna run against her you know that's she's good at that and I'm not gonna you know interfere and there's a few lines where he approaches his sister Tammy he says yeah, it's kind of weird that you're running against me and you haven't told me why you're doing it but that's okay I respect your privacy and I want you to know whoever wins you or me <laughs> there's no hard feelings we're still brother and sister oh, also the weird addition like that weird moment where he's like well you are adopted I was like why is that there that's, right uh, <laughs> yeah. it's like I guess that's just another thing we know yeah and then you know when he's praying for her he's asking god to make tammy happier because she's so smart and sensitive and i love her so much like but then also he's clueless because he doesn't seem to realize that his sister is queer mm-hmm. uh, there's like some moments where i was like paul you missed that and and he's like and i don't know what how, how lisa ended up here i mean she got in a fight with tammy and next, now thing, I know. next thing i know she's on my dick <laughs> right i was like paul read the room yeah so he's just clueless and stupid and then also a line that he delivers i think in voiceover pretty early on in the movie he says you know mr McAllister changed my life and whatever they say he did or didn't do i believe he's a good man so he almost just like sees the good in people to a fault Mm -hmm. because he's never like it's sort of like that you know there there's guys out there like this who are you know they have a good heart they they mean the best they're generally respectful of women but nothing bad has ever really happened to them and so Mm -hmm. they're not going to assume that anyone would do anything against anyone's better interest because they just uh, don't have that experience right i mean the one thing that he did that was very uh poignant was at the end when they were voting he's like i know everybody says that you should vote uh for yourself but I don't think that that's the right thing. Yeah, that's just so he literally right. was the one who, who voted Tracy in. Yes. She won by Paul's vote. Oh. Yep. Oh, he's a good yeah. guy. Uh, and then he wants to have a fundra- a carnival that fundraises for muscular dystrophy at the that, end. That scene kind of broke my heart, too, of like, he does end up caring. Like, you know, and that's supposed to be like a funny moment where Mr. McAllister's stooge ends up being motivated mm-hmm. and does want to make a difference. But you're like, man, that like seems like pretty true to how, you know, like when 
men usually only choose to support younger versions of themselves and bring them in mm-hmm. and it just perpetuates this oh god that whole scene was like oh paul, paul. baby <laughs> paul won't drop the ball that was one of his i loved that oh, slogan yeah. his campaign slogan it's a little defensive but i um, like yeah. it another one was paul metzler you betzler oh. <laughs> precious but oh one another this is just a, a quick thing and we hardly know anything about this character but the um student who is running for uh vice president jerry oh, yeah. um uh, we see representation on screen of a person with a disability i love jerry and he's yeah. running mm. on a freaking post on a post he, he cracks jokes he's Writes funny speech anyways yeah jerry basically gets a standing o yeah yeah because he what he says they're like I can't stand, but I stand for you. And everyone's like, yes, our Jerry. The, another character we see for like two seconds that I was like, ooh, there's a whole other thing in there. Uh, uh, Tammy's mom. Mm. There's that scene where the parents find out that she's been election tampering and she's been disrupting. Yeah. You know, coming down the escalator with Melania and the whole shit. <laughs> uh, but there's a scene with the parents where it seems pretty pointed. The mom's sitting there like with a martini. I think she's supposed to be like a, a wine mom who is exhausted mm-hmm. with her blowhard husband. Um, and he's, you know, yelling. He's like, rah, 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 you suck and you're going to a new school. And Tammy's mom keeps almost saying something yeah. and then is cut off. And then eventually she finally does say something and is, you know, not a dumb person at all is very well spoken and starts to say a, make a cogent point and then the dad cuts her off again yeah you're just, just like, like interrupting you're going to sacred heart or whatever you're the school is on. <laughs> just like whoa <laughs> oh they say something like yeah we're gonna straighten you out and then she's like giggling because I, I don't know if it's she's because like, of like yeah right the, like no one's I gonna yeah, straighten like, me yes. i'm pansexual you idiot Good try and it's like all right tammy we <laughs> okay does anyone have any other thoughts about the film? Oof, there's a there's a lot. Oh, just the the last uh, a, a shot I really liked was the shot of the dig at the oh. end, where it's like, what happens when a man loses everything? It's like literally a straight up castration <laughs> shot. Um, yeah. Oh, I guess the last thing I w- wanted to say in terms of just like you know unwrapping a pretty clear commentary is uh, the idea of second chances where Jim's character at the end, you know, is Mm -hmm. like, and then I moved to New York and I got to start. And it's not perfect. Clearly his life kind of sucks. But, you know, he's not really punished. He just has to start over. Yeah. That is, I mean, a clear political allegory of like, hey, just, I mean, I think applies to what a lot of guys are trying to do after their Me Too moment, too, mm-hmm. of like, I just got to go somewhere else or wait a little while and then I can just keep Maybe. on doing oh, that. You know how uh, Louis C.K. keeps doing drop-in mm-hmm. sets at the Comedy Cellar? And, He's addicted yeah. to it. He won't stop. And yeah so that that was like a, a moment that I, I think feels like especially timely right now too mm-hmm. just like and i just went somewhere else and did the same shit forever yep like, <laughs> awesome yeah. uh-huh. though i do appreciate the one kid the truth kid who like spits on his larry, larry. feminist icon larry <laughs> larry wants of women when, when jim is like still driving on the streets after all of this has happened yeah. he's divorced he lost everything he's in the car and he sees Larry King and Larry. they both just like lock eyes and he's like Shrug. tries to give him a little smile and Larry's like 
I'm like, yo, <sighs> much like That's what Rose does to Billy Zane in the end of Titanic. Tui, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, where was Billy Zane in this movie? God. Where was the Baba Duke in this movie? Where, where was, was Alfred Molina in this movie? <laughs> you know, there's mistake. Not everyone's always available, but I, I hope that I love I love Alfred Molina to you know to my dying day. I think Matthew Broderick is so good in this movie. So well I, yeah, cast. He's so, so yeah. Great. This movie was excellently cast. It's yeah. like a perfect inversion of who people perceive him to be oh i would be remiss not to just remind everyone as we i do every time we mention matthew project matthew project did hit two women with his car once and <gasps> killed them both oh my god i didn't oh know that god, about him he? guys matthew project i mean he didn't do it on purpose right but he was in a car with jennifer a... gray <gasps> in ireland <sighs> and uh so just uh whoa yeah enjoy matthew project never slaughterer it's uh you know but he was matthew project so nothing happened Hmm. Just um, a fun fact about Matthew Broderick, he killed the lady. Well, well that really sucks. Well, to bring on that up, note, yeah, I uh, well, uh, a fun to to uplift our spirits again after hearing that. I mm-hmm. just wanted to point out. I don't know if anyone else noticed, but um, whenever you first are introduced to Paul and he's like tumbling down a mountain as he's skiing, mm-hmm. you see two different shots of what is obviously stock footage of a skier because they're wearing different coats and then when it cuts to a close on paul he's wearing a different coat from both of the previous two shots so it's so funny i didn't see that i love that that's that continuity so so funny and it's clear that they like didn't try to do they didn't do anything to try because they easily just could have taken the one stock footage shot and then matched the coat with whatever that person was wearing but it it seemed like an almost deliberate joke for like it to be three different coats because those shots are so long that you You could have just used the one yeah exactly (laughs) so anyway and then finally for anyone who's keeping track of uh uh, the name anagrams of Mm -hmm. what caitlin durante anagrams to uh relevant to this movie caitlin durante anagrams to run lit candidate if you misspell candidate and only spell it with one D. So, uh, for, for example, you five. know, if someone's like, hey, I, I don't know if I should run or not. I would say to you, run, lit candidate, because you're lit and, <laughs> and you're a potential candidate. You, and you are, should run. Uh, yeah. In my sub rating, I, I, now I'm rating things twice an episode. Okay. Uh, and, and that's a two for me. A two out of five? five. Wow, Jamie Harsh. Yeah, as a stretch. No. Listen, there's been there's been great ones. Thank you. And I hold them to that gold standard. Okay. okay. I understand. Well, I, I think this is is one of my better ones. So <laughs> like I guess we're there's we can, you know, disagree from time to time. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, that's that's the one I got for this one. The last thing I wanted to mention mm. to this movie's credit, mm. this is one of the few because we didn't discuss Jim's wife Diane really at all. Right. We're not given much other than her husband's a fucking asshole and True. she would like a baby and she uses a sex phrase clearly written by a man fill me fill up, me up oh, for I'm sure. like what woman in her right fuck it would it wouldn't yeah, happen ever i say that <sighs> every day <laughs> no, holy shit <laughs> what if what if caitlin was like i'd like to come out in strong opposition that's my only sex phrase it's my um, campaign slogan really for when i when i a lit candidate run no <laughs> fill me up 
the one thing I wanted to say t- to that point, uh, other than the fact that you just lost my vote, uh, <laughs> is that that this is one of the rare movies where you know Linda tells Diane, "Your husband and I had sex," and Diane breaks up with her husband doesn't seem to actively punish the other woman, which I think is usually where oh, yes. movies go. So I appreciated that. Yeah. We see them having presumably just interacted and probably not passing the Bechdel test because they're probably talking about Jim. But, yeah, it seems like they are consoling each other. They're, you know, they're crying and comforting each other. And they are placing the blame rightfully on Jim, who, I don't know if this happens right before or right after, when he has a conversation with Linda and is like, you ruined my life. And she's like, you like, you took advantage after. of me. Like, and he's like, what? what? You took advantage of me. You kissed me. You hugged me. And like, I think that they should have acknowledged that they both had both, a part in it. There yeah. was one thing where I was like, Linda was an active participant in that. Mm-hmm. But I think that that also spoke to like her not being a very well written character because she pretty clearly rejects him. And then all of a sudden seems not just on board to have sex with him, but on board to have sex with him in front of her baby, uh, yeah. which is such a leap in the character we're introduced to that it seems like that character was sold out at some point. Right. But where Linda lands, she should definitely own some of the blame but she's right. I mean, I think she's right to not for like, obviously, she didn't ruin Jim's life, mm-hmm. but she was an active participant. She literally f- fucked a guy in front of her baby. No, I should do that. Yeah. With with Linda, there is no catalyst for the audience to understand why she suddenly changes her mind about wanting to sleep with Jim. Like, so... Why would she even invite him over after he hit on her? In right. That way? You would think that that would put an end to that friendship. We well, she that said that she's like, I was just lonely and made a mistake. And, the, you know, and that's the thing, again, about this moral ethics. Thing. Like, it does right. happen. Mm-hmm. And Totally. That's the thing I liked about this, like I like in general about this movie so much is I think the overarching message is also about like how so much, like everything is gray. There mm-hmm. isn't so much of like black and white and it, there is a lot of gray space and, and it does come to moral ethical ambiguity. Exactly. <laughs> totally. Like with every character, there's yes. like, they're all, you could see the good side and then you're like, oh, but you did this shitty thing and that literally everybody. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Except poor Fill Me Up. She did nothing wrong. Yeah, she didn't. Uh, hey, does this movie pass the Bechdel test? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Women do not interact nearly as much as I was expecting, considering there are a fair number of female-identifying characters. Mm-hmm. I only clocked one scene where it passes, which is between... Tammy and Lisa in the beginning whenever they are kissing Lisa pulls away she says I told you and she's like what and she's like it doesn't feel right anymore and she's like Tammy's like but I love you and then a few seconds later Lisa is getting into her car and starting to drive away and Tammy's like where are you going and she's like I'm not like you I'm not a insert homophobic slur here cool pass Uh, yeah (laughs) we're not in love we were just experimenting so Nothing is called into question here in terms of, hey, is this, is a man mentioned here? Like, this is about women kissing each other. An interesting pass, but also. Did you not have Tracy and her mom passing at least once in that scene? Yeah. No, because unless I am just misremembering something, but the only scene I noticed where Tracy and her mom interact on screen is after Tracy finds out she loses 
the mm-hmm. election and she's crying and then her mom comes in and she's, she says crying? stuff to her right she's like uh they're there lie down take my pill you know and then she's like maybe you needed more posters or you should have taken my suggestions about your speech but tracy never verbally responds she never says anything she's crying yeah bummer yeah i wish that mom i don't understand why that mom character wasn't more present and that was like a weird thing for me so yes this movie does pass the bechdel test but as far as i can tell only in one scene unless i'm you know missing something that's Mm. not okay that's that's the way the cookie crumbles we'll take one for 1999 yeah Now we rate on our nipple scale, where we rate the movie based on its portrayal of women, based on a scale of zero to five nipples. This is another like kind of landing right in the middle for me, where to me it's not especially progressive, it's not especially regressive, it has interesting female characters, more time and care was spent to develop them certainly more than other similar kind of teen movies especially of this era Mm -hmm. but also there are choices that were made like the statutory affair that happens between the teacher and the student and i don't know this is just like it's a hard it's a hard this is a hard one this is some of them are very easy and this is a hard one because as you were kind of touching on natasha it's like there's a lot of ambiguity and gray area that is honestly very realistic. I mean, we as as people find ourselves having to make difficult decisions and, and being faced with things that we don't exactly know what the right and moral and ethical thing to do is in the moment and maybe making mistakes here and there. So I I think all of those aspects of the film are interesting. Um, Worth noting that this is an extremely white movie. Yes. That could be um, maybe explained away. The fact that this takes place in a suburb of Omaha, um, uh, where I'm is, sure oh. there are people of color. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. but uh, <laughs> even certainly... one or two. <laughs> We're everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> right. at least the Indians. <laughs> I'm sure we found our way somewhere over there. It's a billion. Um, but yeah, every major speaking role. In fact, maybe even every speaking role. Period is spoken by a white person yes um i do appreciate that there is clear and not coded because if there is queer characters in movies usually they're just coded that way but we do see someone who even though she perhaps is not totally sure how she identifies at this stage in her life she is queer. queer yeah Although, as we discussed, you know, she kind of falls into a sort of tropey character of like kind of the angry lesbian type. So, you know, more care and time could have been spent to develop these characters just a little bit more. Um, Yeah. So overall, uh, this was a very long winded way to say that I I give this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give this movie, I think, two and a half nips. I'll give one to Tracy Flick. I'll give one to Tammy. And I will give my remaining half nipple to uh, Diane, Jim's wife and then ex-wife. Because I feel like we should have... His wife. Because I feel like we should have uh, learned more about her. And more about the mom character. More about many characters. But, you know, you only have so much time in a movie. So Uh, I'm going to go... I'm very close to wanting to do a three and Hmm. a half uh, for this one. Natasha, you made a great point at the end for all the like nitpicky things I have 
about this movie, by and large, every character in this movie is presented as flawed. And that is, I think, in general, a positive in that we have female characters that we know well enough to know that they're flawed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually it's the only thing we know about them or we know nothing at all. So where, where I do have like certain like thoughts of like, I think that Tammy's character could have been handled better. You're totally right. She's a very flawed character as is the entire main cast. Uh, And for any criticism of like everyone, like it's not just the female identifying characters in this movie that, and where they started, everyone's in a vicious cycle that they made themselves. And that's, you know, depressing, but feels real and at least is uniformly applied to almost every character. You know, there, there are a few misses with, I absolutely agree that the statutory rape storyline is, is mishandled. And there's, I mean, I think that there's space inside of it, this movie for it to be handled well, mm-hmm. but it's not. And then there's a few Uncanny Valley characters like Linda where I could understand where you're coming from, but we just haven't spent enough time with you to understand sure. why these sudden switches were made. Uh, and just the tra- – I, I don't see any reason why Tracy's mom couldn't have been more present. Mm-hmm. Uh, little stuff like that. Obviously, it is a very white movie. And there's no reason in a high school setting for their – you know. Although my high school had 99.9% white people in it, so I don't like, not to defend this choice at all, but it might be a regional thing, who knows. But also in movies, you can make choices to, you know, misrepresent things, because movies do it all the time. Right, and also it's like, how would it have affected the story negatively? Like, it it wouldn't. You know, you could have the movie happen the exact same way and have included people of color at any point. But I'll I'll go three, three and a half because it's hard to find. It's hard to find complicated depictions of women in movies at all. Mm -hmm. And we've got we've got a few here. And I really, really enjoyed this movie. And I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Um, and oh, also, sorry, what I was going to say is not just a complicated woman in 1999, but the kind of character you can keep revisiting and take something new away every time. I think that that is something very commonly applied to male characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I go right to TV, but like, you know, your Don Drapers of like revisiting this guy we all thought was so fucking cool. <laughs> There's not a lot of female characters that are written well enough to be able to go back and have new takeaways. For sure. So I'll go three and a half. I'm going to give two to Tracy Flick, uh, and I give that half to Diane, and I'm giving the last to that poor baby who, who had to see Matthew Broderick have sex. Um, you guys said everything. No. Uh, I would give it three, also because I appreciate that they were telling a female sort of driven story. I appreciate that there were multiple female characters. I mean, we talked about five or so in Mm -hmm. it. You know, the reason I wouldn't give it a full five is because they were portrayed to be like the parts of us that could be embraced were sort of underappreciated so even in and I get it I mean as a writer like Mm -hmm. when you're writing a character you just got to go like 
all in. You can't be like, oh, the, um, you know, the ambitious student and the, the log line has to be the over ambitious student, yeah. um, the right. obnoxious student, like it has to do. And I get it. Um, but I wish that, you know, if we had the platform, we weren't portrayed as that. Otherwise, I feel like all your points are valid. Um, I'm always an advocate for diversity. Um, that said, I completely get that uh, I'm from Canada, and mm. <laughs> and uh, I see. I think it's a lot more common there um, to see all sorts of people. But I've learned as I've come to America that there are cities uh, here where people didn't have people of color um, at all, like until college and stuff. Mm. So yeah. uh, I understand that, and I'm just kidding. Sometimes, some, sometimes <laughs> not. Um, <laughs> that everybody should have diversity. Uh, but it's, you know, back, it was fucking 1999. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so three. I'll give two and a half to Tracy. Mm-hmm. Just because she's a ball buster. Yeah. <laughs> and she, you know, didn't let anybody stop her. And she had a lot of shit happen to her and she pushed on. She was also a human being who was flawed, and I think there's a lot to take away from her. Um, and fucking Reese Witherspoon plays her, oh, so, so you have to love her. Yeah. The other quarters, mm. I'll give to Tammy, because like you said, it's it's great that they had um, an openly queer character on camera, and, and her depiction was honest in the beginning of her struggling, you know, and trying to figure it out. Um, Diane, yeah. I feel bad for her. Yeah. I, I feel bad for her. And so, I, I don't think the math added up, guys. Don't judge me. I'm Indian. I should have known the math, but I didn't. I didn't. I think that, I didn't no, that, add it that up. Tried, yeah. I did. I'm also it's half three. hungover, <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> I'm just really sleepy. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Thank yeah, you for having so much you. fun. Uh, what would you like to plug? Where can people find you online? Oh, yeah. um, you guys can check out the Kind of Dating podcast. We are everywhere you find podcasts, and we're also on YouTube. Um, uh, you can follow us on social media. We're at Kind of Dating across the board. Um, I'm at Natasha Chandel on Facebook and Instagram and Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter because some other bitch took my name. <gasps> I'm kidding. Unbelievable. Never uses Twitter. Give me my handle back. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you can follow the Bechtel cast on the various platforms on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Bechtel cast. You can write and review us on iTunes. You can subscribe to our Patreon, AKA our Matreon by going to patreon.com slash Bechtel cast and you pay $5 and you can get two bonus episodes every single month it's november so you're gonna be thankful for that you did oh and also don't forget you can uh now that we're getting into holiday season you can also gift someone else uh yeah. patreon subscription we had some of that last year also last year on thanksgiving fun november fact caitlin and i got violently drunk and <laughs> watched every version of the Grinch ever made and also uh, watched and recorded an as still unreleased Titanic episode because we were too we were too drunk yeah so all that to say we put a lot of love and care into the Patreon and if we are too drunk we will not release it yeah (laughs) Yeah. Unless I know maybe the it's funny we've gotten requests for like when when are you releasing this I think the people might want it We'll see. I, I, you know, if some of our listeners wanted to donate substantially to a, an organization we love, they can hear and we'll just hope they don't Assange it uh, and just keep it to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Assange. <laughs>
Also, you can go to our uh, merch store. Um, Gift season. Tpublic.com slash the Bechtel cast. And buy all of our goodies there. Holiday shopping. We'll be introducing some new designs in Regularly. November. So get ready for, uh, what is it? Cyber Monday. Mm. Cyber Monday. Okay, we love you so much. Okay, goodbye. Bye-bye. Vote. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.